Football Friday with Burns and Gambo. Let's go! Presented by 72 Sold. Get your price. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, back here on Arizona Sports on this Friday afternoon, live from the Auction Community Studios. Of course, 3 o'clock every Friday we have on Steve Kime, the general manager of the Cardinals, for his weekly visit. And there was a lot to unpack this week with Steve, a lot to talk about. So let's get through as much of it as we can so we can just kind of add our own commentary and reaction to it because uh, some of it's getting a little bit of play on social media in terms of what he had to say. We started with the kicking situation. Matt Prater's been ruled out. Matt Amendola's been brought back. He is going to kick this weekend against uh, Seattle. You had asked the question to me earlier in the week, does Cliff you know, play a different game, a coach a different style of game, knowing that he's got a kicker that he may not trust? Sure. And I think invariably, invariably the answer is yes to that. Uh, when Steve was on with us earlier today, we asked him about the missed kick. Here's what he said. Number one, um, you know, opportunities are very limited right now with, with kickers. And uh, we aren't sure really where Matt is in terms of health. I uh, thought maybe he would have a chance to come back this week. Uh, hopefully next week uh, we can pencil that in. But, uh, you know, at the same time, uh, listen, he's got to make that kick. That's what professional kickers do. But um, unfortunately, that didn't happen. And, you know, we just got to make sure that we try to do the best moving forward. And it's it's a tough situation. I mean, it's not one guy collectively. We all uh, know that, obviously, the offense starting slow. Again, you know, adds to the uh, to the problems, and you know, you can't put it on one person. Even though that as a professional, again, we all know that uh, someone should make that kick. Got to make the kick. Yeah. So kind of like, don't put it on one person, but you got to make that kick. Right. I, so I'm kind of going to put it on you a little bit. Of and, course, she has to make it. And honestly, that's kind of what we said on Monday. I mean, it's you, you don't want to put it on one person, but you got to make the kick. And, and if he makes the kick, there's no guarantee they win the game. You know, it goes in overtime, and who knows what happens after that. But 43-yard field goals in the NFL have to be made. And, and so... I think we followed up, too, right? He oh, said I got like, it right here. Know. Like, if, if you've got a kicker who you can't trust to make 43-yard field goals, why keep him? Well, we had four kickers in the previous week. Week and um, he was the most consistent by far, uh, you know, as far as accuracy and, and get off and those sort of things. So, um, you know, it's easy to just say, hey, let's just change out to change out. But now all of a sudden you have a guy step in and who knows, potentially he could be missing extra points and, and those sort of things. And there's something to be said for, you know, in the NFL for timing and those sort of things with the snapper, the, the, the whole placeholder, those those things, etc. cetera. So uh, I just think it was in our best interest at, at this point to stay with same guy. So what I get out of that is we didn't like the other kickers that were here. This he was much better, and we feel that more time in practice, you know, the more times that he's going to have with the snapper and the holder, the and just just kicking, that they will get comfortable. And if we bring somebody else in that hasn't had any time with the snapper and the holder, we might be in the same situation. So it's better to just to give him more time in practice, and we think he'll be better for it. Yeah, I, I got exactly the same thing out of it, and I I don't say this to defend Steve necessarily, but but it's not you know, it's not like there's a plethora of great options out there to choose from when you're you're trying to find a kicker on a Tuesday for a, Saturday, a Sunday game, right? It's not like, and it's not like Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury looked at him and, and took the guy who did the second best in the tryout or the third best in the tryout, right? I, I mean, you pick the best out of the choices that you've got and you live with the consequences. And, and so to me, this idea that, you know, Steve Kime picked the wrong kicker. Well, you know, if, I 
I can't imagine he had a lot of great kickers to choose from. And I'm sure he kicked the best one that was a, that he picked the best one that was available that day sure. when he was doing the selection. So it's just you lose your kicker. There's just not a lot but of great you, options. But I'm going to keep there. my eye on that. Oh, do they play differently? Fourth and three from the 30 yard line. Do you kick a 47 yard field goal? Do you say, you know what? I'm going to go for it because I don't trust my guy from 45 yards and out. I certainly think throughout the course of the game you do. Now, when you get to two minute situations and you need a field goal to, to tie it, I, I mean, you, I still think you play for the field goal. But in other situations, yeah, absolutely. I think you play differently. As far as the play that led up to it, the Kyler slide and then spike. I think we all thought he got the first down. He didn't. Um, it's a bang bang play. Uh, I think it's one of those learning lessons that you look back and it's a, it's a, you know, obviously a painful learning lesson because of the uh, repercussions. But at the same time, um, it's something that we can grow with a young quarterback and and head coach and, and make sure that that doesn't happen again. Mm, so make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah, he he. The vibe I got from that answer, sorry, I keep using that word. The vibe I got from that answer was, yeah, we need to revisit what happened there. We, we need to we need to revisit. Why did you slide and why did you spike and why were you not more aware of what was going on? And a young quarterback and a young coach, right? I'm almost suggesting that that even though at this point both coach and head and quarterback should be well experienced, suggesting that maybe a lack of inexperience in that moment might have led to kind of the chaos that we saw there. You know, I I I kind of got that sense from the answer. Three defenders around him. You try to get an extra couple yards, you're going to get popped. But most quarterbacks in this league are going to make sure they get the first down and say, you know what, I'm I'm close, but I can't be guaranteed because you're running. You don't know. You know you're close. Most quarterbacks are going to try to get that extra yard or two and take the pop because they want to make sure that they get the first down. Yeah, which then demanded the follow-up question. So do you want Kyler protecting himself because he's the franchise quarterback, or do you want him to sacrifice his body in a late-game situation like that? To me, it's one of those things at that position, I think it's it's instincts. Um, I know you have to have an awareness of, of, of awareness of where the first down marks are and, and all those sort of things, uh, where the defensive players are. Again, this game is played so fast. It's easy for us to all say, "Oh, you should have went two more yards. You should have got down quicker." But the, the rate of speed that these guys play at and the physicality that they play at, it's not that easy. Um, but I would say this: that you know, again, it's, it's a young player that continues to learn and learn, and you know, instead. He's got to feel those sticks, and next time maybe it'll be um, where he gets a couple more yards. Or, or you know, today's the day and age. I mean, the, the way they're calling some of these games. I mean, you, you never know what's going to happen with with the the contact and the and the physicality that's going to happen. Hmm. Yeah, I remember talking to Kurt Warner after the game, and Kurt was telling me, "Look, it's easy from the couch, you know, but oftentimes they they set the ball in the sticks late. You don't really feel like you have time to wait. You think you have it, and then all of a sudden you realize you don't after the fact." Yeah. After you've spiked the ball, then and then they're like, oh, you guys were short. Oh, okay, I didn't know that because I'm trying to play faster. And Kime said that, but that little bit there at the end, the last 15 seconds, like almost like the instincts of Kyler need to be better. Like he he need, he needs to improve his instinctual awareness of I have to get there. 
not here. I need to get there. And that instinctually, that needs to kick in a little bit more. And that might have failed him in that moment. It was interesting hearing Steve talk about it because I, I, it left me with the impression that Steve wanted more out of his quarterback in that situation than what he got. Uh, the running back room. We know James Conner's not going to play. We know Daryl Williams isn't going to play. So it's Eno and it's Keontae Ingram. Is he worried about the room? Anytime you're missing a, a guy like James Conner or even um, Williams. I mean, there's, there's some concern, but I mean, at the same time, uh, I've really seen a lot of growth out of Eno, Benjamin, uh, and our rookie. Uh, I'm excited to see him play. Uh, I think he's got a tremendous skill set, looks really good in camp. So his opportunity, to me, that's what it's all about, is getting an opportunity in the National Football League and making the best of it. But, you know, Eno is a guy that when you watch him, it's, it's, it's interesting because he's got such great natural run skills and he's continued to get better in the little things, the, the pass protection, the screen game, all of the things that come with being a running back at a, and playing at a high level. And again, I'm really excited about uh, Eno and where he's, uh, where he's gone. They've always liked him. They've always liked him. And now it's his chance to reward them for a key, seventh round pick that's been in the league for three years and hasn't got a lot of play in time. Think about it. Seventh round picks don't last in the NFL. No. He's been there for three years without getting much playing time. And not even he's not even a special teams guy. He's not a great special. He's not a special teams guy. They've just liked him and liked him. They hung around. Now it's his time to reward that organization for showing that faith in him. And of course, one more game without DeAndre Hopkins. It's been a struggle without him. Does his return ease the early game woes offensively? As much as we paid him, it better fix it. <laughs> that was a joke to hop. I like to needle him a little bit because uh, when you're negotiating with a player, it can be uh, interesting to say the least. And me and Hop had some spirited conversations, which you can imagine. I'm sure. But I do think the world of him. I think he's going to be a uh, you know a, a great um, addition, and obviously going to put some energy and. Uh, add some excitement to this offense. When you're when you when you're when you don't have an agent, I got to imagine it's to Steve's point that 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 becomes a really potentially almost dangerous conversation, right? Like you're you're negotiating directly with the player and not through an agent. So it's like, okay, giving you this money, dude, go get them, right? You, you better you better do all that. And of course, Steve was joking, but. Everyone you talk to over there, it's like this ticking clock, man. When is D-Hop coming back? Tick, 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 well, What did Murray say? I mean, Murray talked a lot about that this week, too. Like, mm-hmm. they, listen, is a comfort level, is a security blanket uh, kind of to it, you know, that you feel like that's my security blanket. I'm always safe throwing the ball at D-Hop. He's going to make plays, but it should make everybody on that offense a lot better. Texas, your thoughts, the FanDuel text line. It is open for you at 620-620. When we come back, only a few days are left before the start of the NBA season and only even fewer days until the deadline for Cam Johnson. What's going to happen? We'll tell you next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. If you are just tuning in for the first time today here on Burns and Gambo, first of all, where have you been? Uh, second of all, we have uh, a couple of times today have talked about kind of the state of the Phoenix Suns in terms of some of the loose ends that are still loose for the Suns with the season opener coming up on Wednesday. Not not everything is tied down. Not everything is yeah. done. Not everything has been figured maybe that out. Could be, maybe that song, Turn Me Loose, maybe that could be their theme uh, song by, for this year. Uh, that was um, Turn Me Loose by Loverboy. Loverboy. Loverboy, Loverboy. Loverboy. of course. 
Turn me loose. I'll give you the Suns theme song. Turn me loose. Tied of all it is crap. They got to do it loose. their way, Gambo. Got to do it their way. Yes, or no, or way, no way at all. There <laughs> we go. You two were funny. That's been, that was good. Come on, bitch. It's a Friday. Find I listened to a lot Turn of Loverboy on Fridays last year. Oh, I for the record. you did. Yeah, because you were working on the morning show. Wait, yeah. was that the song that they played? No, it was. No, they didn't uh, work it for the working weekend. Working for the weekend. Working for the weekend. The, 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 the morning show, Doug and Turn Wolf, Turn Me Loose was a much day. better song. Yeah, but on Friday, yeah, we're going to be working for the weekend. Yeah. It, it fits yeah. more, fits a little bit better. Uh, there are loose ends for this Phoenix Suns team, and maybe Mitch will get us a little term loose at the end of the segment, going into the break. Yes, that would sound Greg. awfully nice. Let's get some music. Um, so loose end number one is Cam Johnson, and yeah. there's in, in, in no particular order as we like to say. Do but it. loose end number one is Cam Johnson. The deadline for rookie extension is Monday at three o'clock in the afternoon. Last year of the eleven rookie extensions that happened, five went down. Down to the deadline day. Mikael Bridges went down to the deadline day. And, of course, DeAndre Ayton didn't get his. Um, so Monday by 3, we'll kind of know. Now, you, your lean is that you think something will get done. Uh, my hunch is that something won't get done. Right. Let's talk about the latest, as you know, with what's going on. Well, the I know that they Johnson. have not stopped talking. Uh, the information I'm getting is the negotiation negotiations continue, that they are still having productive talks and trying to get get to a place where you know they both would like to get a deal done uh, it doesn't mean a deal will get done but I feel good that they're still talking at least coming down to the wire here what you said the deadline was uh, Monday at 3 3 p.m. on Monday so you know you're you're Friday to Saturday said so, you know 72 hours away a little bit less mm-hmm. The fact that they're still talking, I think, is a good sign. And that was what I can tell you today is that the two sides are continuing to discuss a contract extension for Cam Johnson. Yeah, I think it's a great thing that they're still talking. Um, and I, the thing you didn't mention, or at least I don't think you did, I know you've mentioned it previously, is that the the uncertain ownership situation is not an impediment no, no. to a deal. Now, it's something I really checked on because I wanted to see if there was. You know, you if you're signing a guy to a 70, 80, 90, $100 million contract, is that a factor for... You you know, when you're going through an ownership change? And the answer is no. I mean, if they, they the Suns have the ability, the people in charge have the ability to make this deal regardless of the ownership situation going forward. So they can make this deal. There's nothing that's preventing them from making this deal or nobody in the league office saying, hold off on any big signings until we know for certainty who the new owner is going to be. That's not the case. So while the Suns are transitioning from one ownership group into another, it may take time, it will be business as usual, and they can strike a deal with Cam Johnson, regardless of that situation. Good, I'm glad to hear that. Um, I, I look, you you're the source guy, not me. I'm just going gut here. My my, my gut is telling me a deal's not going to get done, just because I, I suspect that the dollar figures are really off on this one in terms of what he wants and what they're willing to give him. You know, and that he might be willing to bet on himself. I'm glad to hear they're still talking, but I I bet Cam Johnson is probably looking. What at would this. I get if I was a free agent in this market? And right, you know that's. Type of deal. Well, what, are guys, be, what are guys like me getting? What are guys of my common value getting in today's NBA? But he'd be in the DA situation next year. Yeah, he'd restricted be free a agent. restricted free agent, mm-hmm. qualifying offer, restricted free agency. You know, you could get that deal now or go through that whole. And teams may be reluctant to give you a restricted. But again, I mean, you may feel like if the Suns aren't giving me what I would get as a restricted free agent, I might I might wait a year and then take that restricted. 
free agency. So we'll see how it plays out. But I, I mean, listen, I like the fact that they're still talking right now. Jay Crowder. So they got offers on the table. I mean, there are offers on the table for Jay Crowder right now, but they don't feel like they're in a rush to do anything. Neither, none of those offers that they have are like, oh my, I got to jump on this right now. But there are offers there. You know, teams, hey, here's our offer. Get back to us and that type of thing. And sometimes you hold out. My understanding is that they're going to be as patient as they can to get the right fit for them. So if it takes time, it's going to take time. If it takes the December, it'll take the December. I don't think it'll take that long, but I do. But it's not like the Suns don't have any decent offers on the table. There are decent offers on the table, but I don't think any of the offers that have been discussed or what they have available to them right now makes them want to jump and make a trade today. Yeah, and that makes me a little nervous that the offers just haven't been very good. Kemba Walker's name has come up today for Suns fans. He is expected to get released by the Pistons, as expected. Any interests? Yeah, I don't think he's a target. I don't expect him to be a target based on what I've heard. He's had an injury history over the last few years, doesn't play a whole lot, so I would not expect that he is a target for the Phoenix Suns. 14 or 15 guys on the roster? It's a good question. I think it all comes down to you know how much they like TLC. Timothy Loal Cabro. If they like him enough then they go 15. If they feel like yeah, we're good where we are, then they go 14. So they've got Dwayne Washington and Ish Smith on two-way contracts so those guys are pretty sad. But I really think it just comes down to TLC whether he makes this team or not. As the, you know, as the 15th guy, if they don't take him, then they'll have the roster set at 14. I'm so excited about Wednesday. And not just because it's the start of the season and, and you know, expectations for the Suns. It's kind of hard to put your, put your finger on what they're going to be this year. Exactly. We all know they're going to be good. We all know the West is loaded. We just don't know if they're going to be great or not. I, I, I can't wait to see the guys off the bench, how they play how they're used, who comes in when, who comes in for who, right? Where does, where does Landale play? Where does Dario play? Where does, you know, do they have enough? We're not going to get answers to all of those questions, but to start to see those answers come in, I'm really curious to see how Monty uses the bench because I don't think they have enough off the bench. I don't think they have even close to enough off the bench. Right, and but, there's still two weapons to, to this day. They still have two things in their control to help that bench. One is the taxpayer mid-level Exception, yep. And the other is the Jacob Crowder trade. So what the bench looks like at the start of the season is probably not going to what it looks like at the end of the season. When we come back on the Gambo Show. <laughs> there it is. There you go. Oh, turn it up a little bit. Turn it up a little bit. Yeah, we'll listen. I do not have this on my Spotify. I don't have this on my Apple Music. I was I, I think born to this... run. I was born to dream. This might be a download. I'm going to have to put this. I, I might, I'm going to have to get this one. You got, I got to get some words before we before we break, Mitch. I got to get a little bit of words. I think they're coming up here. <laughs> it's the longest intro ever. I was born to run. I was born to dream. The greatest boy I've ever seen. It's the Phoenix Suns. I think I might, too. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, given the injuries this weekend, there's a chance that someone who is not named Eno Benjamin could break out against the Hawks. Who is that? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Football. 
Football Friday with Burns and Gambo. Let's go! Presented by 72 Sold. Get your price. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Cliff Kingsbury earlier today ruling out James Conner, ruling out Daryl Williams. Neither one of those running backs will play. Yeah, he'll be out. James and Daryl both be out. Prater out. And uh, Trayvon will be out as well. Those four guys. Surely not a surprise. Um, and Cl- uh, Cliff was also asked if James Conner really even had a shot to play in this game. No, not this week. Hopefully next week, but we'll see. And I, I got to imagine the Thursday night game, uh, along with Rodney Hudson, too, who's going to be a game-time decision at the center position, when you've got such a quick turnaround, you really have to kind of choose, in some regards, I would imagine, okay, which game do we want the guy to play in? You know, because if he, if he if he's he's 75%, if he plays on Sunday, he's probably not going to be available on Thursday. So do we play him on Sunday and not have him on Thursday, no, or do we rest him days. on Sunday? They always right? take the extra days, make sure they're closer to, to 100% or close to the, you know whatever they could get to, so that they could play Thursday home game New Orleans. Um, you know that way you don't have to worry about that whole thing. So I I think that that would be the case. I think yeah, we don't know for sure, but I would think that they were trending. It was trending in the right direction for James to play on Thursday. They 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 never really thought he was going to go Sunday, but they weren't ready to rule him out earlier. But once you knew, once they went out there and they signed two guys to the practice squad, you knew they 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 yeah, kind of knew that he wasn't. That's kind of when you knew it. And, yeah, and then specifically. I don't know which one's going to play on Thursday. I'm just saying that that for any player in this league, for any team, I got to imagine that's a complicating factor, right? Like, sure, the got a guy, his health, he plays on Sunday. Do we play him on Thursday? Is that too quick of a turnaround? So now it's the Eno Benjamin show. Now it's the Keontae Ingram show. And today, Cliff was asked about Keontae, who, uh, to be honest, we don't know a ton about. I mean, he, he hasn't, he's not been active so far this year. We haven't seen him. Uh, he wasn't active last week when they were just down to Eno Benjamin. But Cliff Kingsbury today was asked about the rookie out of USC and what he's going to bring to the table. Norman doesn't seem too big for him, you know, since day one, just when he touches the ball, has good vision, plays downhill, plays like he belongs, carries himself like he belongs, and that's why we ended up keeping him. So uh, it'll, it'll be moving fast, I'm sure. You know, first NFL game experience, but he'll, uh, he'll step up. Listen, three years in Texas, one at USC, 2,722 yards, 495 carries, 16 touchdowns. Plus, he also caught 89 passes, so he can catch the ball out of the backfield a little bit. Uh, you know, transferred to USC in the spring after a big year at Texas. This is a kid that they liked. And you listen, you're a big fan of getting running backs later in the draft, and they can pop. So, mm-hmm. six feet tall, 215, so good size for a back. I can't wait to see him play. I told you, like, I'm more excited. Excited about watching him than Eno because I haven't seen Keontae Ingram play for sure. the Arizona Cardinals. I've seen Eno a little bit. I like Eno, but I want to see what this kid brings to the table because he was an outstanding back in college. Well, sure, no, Keontae's do. I, I, I'm excited to see him play. I, I'm more excited to see Eno because I, I've, you know, look, I'm not a huge ASU fan, but I'm enough of an ASU fan that I, I'm. I think a lot of ASU fans have been waiting for this moment. Okay, here's your shot. Go get him. You know, you're you're gonna get likely the majority of the carries on Sunday. You're a seventh-round pick, local kid. Everybody likes it when the local guy makes it with the local NFL team, right? Sure. From Pat to Jake to right on down the line. So so it, it, there's, there's that kind of inherently built into this. But I'm excited for Keontae mainly for the reason it was really unorthodox when they decided to keep five running backs, right? I mean, that was like, we. I remember you and I talked about that the week leading up to cutdown day. Man, are they going to keep five? 
No, and, and, I, and I kept saying that I'm being told to keep in five. You did, and, and obviously that had everything to do with Keontae Ingram. Yes, like we just can't cameras put him on the back of the squad, letting somebody claim him. There's no way he was just too talented of a player. So they keep you keep the five, and you know, and then look, and here you are, and you've got to use him. Like you're going to have to use your fifth guy. We're not even halfway through the damn season. I mean, you're in a sixth game, and you're going to use that fifth guy right now because two other guys are banged up. Yep. Three uh, guys are banged up because Ward's not really a running back, but Ward's on injured reserve. So it's three guys that are listed as running backs that are banged up for you. We had Steve Kime on the show earlier, and and since he's in charge of kind of the transactional stuff, why did you keep Ingram on the roster when you broke camp? Philosophically, I think it's just the number one thing. that he, Number one, he's a draft pick. Number two, he's a talented player. And to me, you never put those guys on the wire and, and, and chance the fact that they may go somewhere else. So uh, to me, we wanted to protect him and make sure that he had an opportunity. And I always talk about this. Your needs in, in April and May are never the same as they are in October and November. And uh, that's certainly an example right there. The running back room, which I felt very, very strong about, um, has has taken some blows. And uh, now we'll have some the next man up mentality, sort of like the receiver room. But... Most teams only keep four. So, and if they lose a bunch of guys and they go add a bunch of guys the way the Cardinals did this week, too, it's, it's a little unusual to keep five. And I want to see what makes Keontae Ingram so special that they kept five. That, to me, is the number one reason why I want to see him. Because, obviously, this kid's got something that you just said, nope, we can't yeah. lose this guy, and I want to see what that something is. Yeah, and I don't think that it's anything on him that he hasn't played in his first five games. you got James Conner and Darrell Williams. you got Eno Benjamin. You've got guys. Like, you had you had guys. Again, Ward is definitely more of a special teams guy. I don't, like, if Ward was available, I don't know, he's going to get a lot of carries. He might get a couple, but he's still more of a special teams guy. But, you know, as the fifth running back, I think, listen, get an opportunity. You look Okay, look at the kid for Seattle, Walker, the, for Michigan State kid. Kenneth okay? Walker the third, yeah. Like, he's been good. Yeah. He's been good for them. Broke up a big, long touchdown run last week. Yeah, weekend. like he's, you know, so that's a talented back. So I think you could get really good running backs later in the draft. Fourth round, fifth round, sixth round. Look, Eno's a seventh round guy, mm-hmm. for goodness sakes, and he's still on the team and on the roster. So good running backs are good running backs, you know. I think there's a lot of them that are just good. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if Ingram gets an opportunity to play, and he does he does something with those characters. Yeah, and, and so we're going to get here on Monday. Now, the Seattle defense, we've chronicled it all week long. They're terrible. They're, they're really, really bad, whether it's Brock Heward who came on with us, or or Michael Sean DeGar, the Seahawks beat writer for The Athletic. It, it, to a man, I'll tell you, it's really bad. It's They can't tackle. They get pushed around at the point of attack, and I would think, even in a situation like this, where you're talking about your third string running back, your fourth string running Running back, I would think you still are in a position to be able to take advantage of that, especially with the the offensive line doing a decent enough job run blocking. I mean, the Cardinals are very middle of the road yards per game, yards per carry when it comes to rushing. They haven't allowed a lot of pressure on the quarterback wise, but in the run game, they've been good, not great, not bad, right in the middle, kind of you know average when it comes to the numbers. I would think that should be an advantage for the Cardinals going up against a defense that bad like Seattle. Now, you hinted about it earlier, right? Like, if you're Seattle, you're probably looking at this game like this is a get-right game for my defense. Oh, 100%. They don't they have DeAndre their- Hopkins. They don't have James Conner. And they don't have Darrell Williams. Three of their key veteran players are not there.
there. And they may not have Rodney Hudson, their starting center. So as a defense, you know, the way we're looking at, the, you know, the oh, Cardinals sure. looking, at, looking at chops trying to uh, get this opportunity to play against that defense. Seattle's defense is probably doing the same thing in Arizona. This is a good chance for our defense to, to kind of get right against the Cardinals team that is banged up on offense. So let's see who gets right. Because someone's going to get right. You know, somebody, somebody's going to come out of this game, likely. Someone's going to come out of this game on Sunday feeling a whole lot better about something they don't feel good about right now. It's either going to be Seattle's defense, because if they hold the Cardinals' offense down, they're going to be like, hey, look at what we did. Finally, we had a good game around here, and the Cardinals' offense is going to be like, oh, man, what? Now what? If we can't score against them, now what? And if it's no, the other, a lot of trouble. And then if it's the other way around, you know, if, if the Cardinals' banged up offense goes in there and just, Lap Seattle's defense. Seattle's defense is going to be okay. Now what? Well, there's just, nothing they could do. They just have to win no, high know. scoring shootouts. But it's but it's like, ve- that's what they know. Yeah, but it's just it's very much a somebody's going to wake up on Monday morning and have some real real doubts about you know how bad their unit actually is. The difference with the Cardinals, they get D Hop back on Monday. And I think on Monday... Oh, but Seattle's got Bruce Irvin coming off of the practice squad next week. Like I said, the difference is that Arizona gets D-Hop back on Monday. I'm not all that worried about Bruce Irvin coming back for the... It's nice. I'm sure he'll he'll be there to guide he the guys. He said that and, it was a communication issue. He said a lot of the problems are just communication. A lot of young kids, they get out there and they don't really know what's going on. So he's kind of being brought in there to kind of almost be a mentor towards those kids. All right, so next week is a big week uh, for all of us around here. Arizona going primetime now. Next week, the Suns tip off the NBA season at home against the Mavs. And then the very next night, the Arizona Cardinals take on the New Orleans Saints for Thursday night football. We are giving you the chance to experience both in person. Text the word primetime to 62620, then listen for your name starting Monday for your chance to win two tickets to both games, plus one lucky winner each day will also win their choice of a Devin Booker jersey or a DeAndre Hopkins jersey. Again, text primetime to 62620 and get in on that. When we come back, we're getting spoiled on Sunday. Big weekend of NFL football coming up. We'll talk about that. Update baseball as well next on Burns and Gambo. 98 7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? All right, the games that we're going to watch tonight here on the Burns and Gambo show, we're going to watch this Dodgers Padres game. Blake Snell and Tony Gonsolin, the matchup in this big time game three in front of a very fired up oh, San Diego they're crowd. Crazy. They're going crazy. Oh, the brown and yellow pop pops oh. are waving out there in San Diego Petco Park. Beautiful venue to watch a baseball game. First time they've had a playoff game there in San Diego with fans since 2006. So they support the baseball team, but they didn't support the football team that was there. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get Although, it because it is a good, like it's a pretty good baseball town, right? It is. I, I also got to imagine if the football program had as nice stadium as the baseball program, maybe they would have come out a little bit because that that baseball stadium you've been there, it's gorgeous. I mean, it's in the yeah. Perfect, it was there in July. It's, it's, in it's a beautiful ballpark. Too. Yeah, I've been there four or five times. It's a great place. Yeah, to watch they charged game. me like sixty dollars to park though. I'm like, sure I was they did. Like, yeah. Most I've ever paid for parking in my life was going to a San Diego Padres. Game. I don't doubt it. You want how much for me to park here? <laughs> 60 bucks. Come on, man. No, it's 60 bucks. Come on. You're Gambo. You can afford it. I know. I did. I paid it, but I was like, I couldn't believe that they wanted $60 to park the car. You're going to get a villa in Italy and you're complaining about parking in well, San Diego for the love of. Well, I'm just saying, I've never in? paid that much to park. You guys were 
found this fascinating because MLB.com has been tweeting out the lineups from like the last time a playoff game was hosted here. You mentioned it with the Padres. You know who hit leadoff for San Diego the last time the Padres hosted a game with fans there in 2006 on October 5th? Because he's there again tonight. Um, that's a really good question. Who, who bat lead off? off? I'm not going to say the whole lineup because it's nostalgic, but the number one hitter. The number know. the leadoff hitter for the Padres was Dave Roberts. Oh, no, wouldn't have got that. I would have got that. In I would not years. have got that. Yeah, wouldn't have got that. Wow, that is interesting. Huh. Okay. I just remember him getting that lucky stolen base for the Red Sox. Oh, I've hated him yes. ever since. Yes, because when you come back from three games to none, it's all luck. There's so, not a whiff of skill involved in that at all. The curse of Alex Rodriguez. That's oh. all. Maybe. Middle of the first. It's nothing, nothing right now between the Dodgers and the Padres. The winner is one game away from going to the National oh League Championship Series. Padres. Yeah, big time. Uh, earlier today, uh, the series got tied up 1-1 between the Guardians and the Yankees. Cleveland won 4-2 in 10. And Philly just flattened Atlanta today, nine to one. And look out for the Phils; they're one win away from going to the National League Championship Series. Sure, and being able to set up their rotation any way they want. Um, the Yankees, to start with the Yankees, Aaron Judge is zero for eight with seven strikeouts in the playoffs this year. Yeah, zero for eight with seven punch outs. Uh huh. Yeah, he's Oops. not swinging the bat very well. Oops! Hey, but he's the home run champ, so he's got that going for him. I know, but you don't deliver in the postseason, no, man. It's, you know, that's how you're defined, especially, right? yeah. especially when you go asking for four hundred million dollars in the offseason. That becomes a tough ask. Now tomorrow's a big day because if the if the Mariners pitch to your Don Alvarez, the game time will remain the same for the Cardinals on Sunday. <laughs> if they don't pitch to him, the game time will be moved. <laughs> so it's just a matter of do you pitch to your Don Alvarez? Or do you not pitch to Jordan Alvarez? Yeah, the, you, the game time you're referring to is the Cardinals game. Yeah, if there's the a Mariners game. game four, then the Cardinals Seahawks, because they're right across the street, will start at 2.30 on Sunday. If the Astros win tomorrow and there's not a game four, then Cardinals Seahawks will start at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, that's what's on tonight. That's what's on this weekend. We'll keep an eye on it. Uh, NFL, boy, what a, it's, a, it's the first weekend of the bye weeks um, in the NFL. So a few teams, and frankly, nobody really cares about the teams that aren't playing because none of them are really good. Um, but the schedule's thinned out a little bit this week. You'd never know it looking at some of the games this weekend. Bills, Chiefs Sunday afternoon. Wow. Cowboys, Eagles Sunday this night. This is the best schedule of the year. This schedule is unreal. Even some of the other games. Like, it doesn't sound like it should be a good game. Jets and Packers, they're both 3-2. and two. Right. Vikings, Dolphins, that's 4-1 and one versus 3-2. and two. And the Dolphins are going with their third string quarterback this week in Skylar Thompson. He's going to start over Teddy Bridgewater. Um, well, there was a Ravens-Giants. Another... Oh, Ravens-Giants. Forgot all about Ravens-Giants. That's a great the game. The Ravens and the Giants. That's a great game this weekend. Yeah. Um, Lamar Jackson is 12-0 as a starting quarterback against NFC East teams. He's 12-0. He's never lost a game as a starter. That's the second longest interconference win streak to start a career since the merger in 1970. Wow. So that is, yeah, so that will be a big one. Yeah, but the Giants are 4-1. and, one and hey, they're, You know, they're gonna, you know, if they win, if they're able to win, that's a Giants stadium. If they're able to win, they'll pick up a game on either Philly or the Cowboys. Yeah. Because one no, of them's got to lose. No, it's legit. I mean, you beat, you beat Green Bay. Now, I, I'm going to say this about Green Bay, and it's going to make it sound like I'm not making the Giants legit. They are. They're legit. They're 4-1. and one. 
something doesn't look right with the Packers. Now, maybe they'll figure it out. Maybe they'll fix it. They if they lose seem to the to. Jets this week, man, you're exactly right. They are. They, they are. I mean... Rodgers has not been very good. They can't figure out their um, their wide receivers and for who who he's going to get the ball to. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's, it hasn't looked like the same Packers team with Devontae Adams gone. So the, the, these little capsules that we see on ESPN.com for all these games, I highlighted one about the Packers because I just couldn't believe it. They've scored seven or fewer points in the second half in four of their five games. I mean, they're getting shut down in the second half of these games. It happened against the Giants last week, right? All those passes being batted down at the line of scrimmage at the end. That's the second half? Yeah. The Jets have scored 61 points in the second half this season. That's the third most in the AFC. So the Jets have put some points on the board in the second half. Yeah. Only Buffalo and Kansas City in the AFC have more. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've been as excited about watching a game in the NFC East as I am about the Cowboys and the Eagles. That that's I think that's going to be a really good game. Really good game. Yeah, and I think, you know, I I think from a Cardinals perspective, right? You always look at the rooting interest type thing. I think you just better I think you're better off rooting for Philly so Agreed. the Cowboys drop to 4 and 2. Agreed. Yeah, you look, I mean just real quick, you look at the NFL, the NFC standings. You saw be some separation after this week. It's really top heavy. In the NFC. I mean, you've got 5-0, and oh, and then three teams are 4-1, and one, and then you get into the 3-2s. and twos. In the AFC, you've only got two 4-1 and one teams. No 5-0. and oh. I mean, it's it's like Philly's 5-0, and oh, Minnesota, Dallas, the Giants, they're all 4-1. and one. You, You're starting to see some of that separation and there. I think after this week, for sure, because you got some of those teams playing each other. It's going to do it for us. We're out of here. Everybody have a good weekend. We'll see you Monday, straight up 2 o'clock, right here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Go.